You're listening to This QPOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. We strive to be a safe and inclusive listening space for people of color that are queer. We also have a variety of... <laughs> you could have kept going. Come on. Like, why am I going to be the one to fuck it up every time? Okay, here we go. Ready? We also have a variety of views and opinions. Please leave your comments on our website, thiscupoc.life, on our Facebook page, or send us a tweet at thiscupoclife. Help us build this QPOC community. While you're at it, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. We're also on SoundCloud. Just search This QPOC Life. Don't forget to check out our Patreon page. Your investment in this podcast helps us continue to create quality content by and for QPOC. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron of This QPOC Life. For higher contributions, you can unlock special rewards, like a chance to tune into our studio sessions live. Well, hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. What's up, Gwan? What is, uh, how, you know, I, you know, it's another week. <laughs> have you never heard that before, Zach? I have, but every time you say it, um, Jumbo. <laughs> okay. Do you want to tell the story? Is that what you're going to talk about I've been today? wanting to talk about it for a while, but we can wait. So I'm Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA everywhere on the internet, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm Carlos, and you can find me online at Trefabulo, and my pronouns are anything that you want, with special attention paid to hers is. My, you may call me Jolie, and that is exactly how you'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now YouTube. Amen. When did I that mean, happen? I've been uploading my... um. Oh, all right. I've been well. I've been looking at it on Instagram. So. Yeah. So I'll 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 have uh, I'll be joining Jonathan on the vlog content stuff very soon. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and my oh, pronouns. Oh, we have a YouTube. Huh? I'm sorry. Oh, we do have a YouTube page. Yeah. Um, and we'll be putting more content on there very soon. Uh, and in case you're wondering what my pronouns are, my pronouns are they, them, and theirs. My name is Zachary Aris, and you can find me on the internet at Zachary Aris, and my pronouns are either or. Come on, equal opportunity. She done already done had hers is. Cheeses. Cheeses. Opportunity. And this Everyone. is oh. This QPOC Life. Oh, so two people sang it this time, and one of them was not Zach. Well, I always sang it this time. I always I sang, sang it, a and I note. didn't want to. You were the only one who sang it. Oh, okay. I was the only. You're one. projecting. We, we even all it. like. Well, you did cheerleaded that. it for because there's still no video component. We thought we would have one this week, so we all got camera ready, but there's it's not here. I stay camera ready. Yeah, I don't oh, wow. get ready. I stay ready. So Zach is the only one that threw his hands. Oh, up. okay. I have a I have a uh, gender non-binary joke. Okay. Oh, uh, oh. This you know, is going to be I, interesting. <clears throat> I know. Why did the non-binary metal prospector go to California for the gold rush? Go to California for the gold rush. Non-binary. Non-binary metal. metals prospector. Metals prospector. Hmm. It's probably like, a, it's definitely a scientific joke about okay. like atoms. Okay. Uh, no. Composition. <clears throat> because there's gold in them and or their hills. <laughs> I got it like three seconds oh, later. <laughs> wow. 
Woo, good thing this is a comedy podcast, you all. Oh, as you all will hear in the ask later, we're sending Zach to comedian college. So, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's I a good show. It. I enjoyed it. How many other like? I did. <laughs> okay. Bye. I'm gonna get in a fight Ashy. with PJ Mallory right now. Let me get my purse. I'm leaving. Viola Davis style. <laughs> Well, what's good, what's good with y'all this week? What's good with y'all this week? We want to, uh, you know, uh, fellowship with each one of us mm-hmm. on the panel. Because I brought a hot dish. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. And oh, it's it fellowship. Crispy onion. Well, then why don't, you, why don't you lead it off? Yeah. Um, I feel like you have a lot to say this week. I do. Well, th- this week was uh, just a really, really big week at work. And there were a lot of transitions. And yeah, it. It's all moves for the better that I can't, like, go into, like, super detail for because, you know, it's my employer. But it's just a lot of, like, wonderful things. Did you become a boss? Kind of, sort of. Oh. Of someone. Yeah. Are you a supervisor now? Hashtag like a boss. But you've always uh, been a supervisor. Like, you've always had direct reports, right? No, no, no. Well, in my old job, I did. I had quite a few. And in this one, like, I've helped a lot of the freelancers, but it, but now I have a direct report. Wow! But it's it's more of like they're it's more of like a mentorship thing because they are a in a fellowship program. So okay. I'm really excited to work with her because she seems wonderful. So yeah, so that I mean the uh, compounding with also the fact that my department works all day every day mm-hmm. and we never sleep. So bless, but it's wonderful. So this has been a really busy and crazy week for me. Um, Some of you, well, all three of you know that I've been kind of going through it at work. And, um, you know, I made kind of a decision that I'm ready for a change. And I was very upfront with my boss about it this week. And she was really cool about it. So it's, um, it's cool and scary and exciting. And I'm ready for a new chapter in my life. And I'm glad that I... I'm still employed and have an opportunity to find something while I'm at something. So this is a new chapter for me. I'm turning a corner and I'm excited about it, but it's taken a lot to get here. So I feel good, but it's taken a lot. What a blessing to have like a supervisor that will work with you on that. Cause I know we were talking in the group chat about it and I was like, my personal, I mean, it's your life, but like if I'm in that situation, I told like, I feel like a lot of people, that look like me, at least, are of the mindset like you don't start looking for an, you don't quit your job until you have another job lined up. Right. And like, at least in my experience, we've never just told our boss like, motherfucker, I'm looking for another job. Yeah. Like, and it sounds like they're fostering you and like saying, okay, we understand spread your wings and fly and you can stay employed here until yeah no i I understand that i have a very unique situation um and it has a lot to do with the relationship that i built up with my supervisor Mm -hmm. and so i don't want to um look that sort of look that gift horse in the mouth Mm -hmm. right i want to like take it for what it is and, and keep moving and i know that i trust my supervisor my supervisor trusts me so i think that that's a really wonderful place to be at so um. Yeah, I just feel very hashtag blessed. But baby, it was a process. Mm. Isn't everything a process? What's going on with you, JoJo? Well, I I feel like crazy weeks are sort of the theme of of this episode because uh, I had a crazy week also, uh, just dealing with some stuff in my my personal life and and stuff at work. Uh, but uh, the the big thing that I've sort of been dealing with over the past week and a half. Uh, <clears throat> 
pardon me. I so I, you all know I've been working on this January challenge, and I've been having a lot of fun. I've been. It's been a very, very. Uh, it's been an awesome challenge because getting all of this content out is really pushing me uh, to to my limit. But it's also reminding me of like why I love doing this so much. Uh, I didn't tell. I told you all this. I didn't say this on the podcast yet. But a few weeks ago. Uh, somebody that I considered a very close friend. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I, I get a little angry about it. Uh, they uh, they decided to block me on all the social media channels in the midst of me publishing all this content. And it's not like I'm publishing seven things a day. I'm publishing one thing every day, right? So they... I found out that they blocked me and ordinary, like if somebody blocks me on social media, I don't make a big deal out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But this person was somebody that I went through things with and we got each other through some dark moments. You don't know them. Okay. So I did some digging. (laughs) Zach was ready to fight somebody. Right. Like like, shine a light on it. Who did it? Well, shit. I wish you would have, when I get to how my week went, I wish you would have fought those people, but who did that? We'll get there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I did some digging to find out, you know, what, what the story is because You're a I know that we had had, yes. Investigated. I, exactly. Yeah. I, we, we fell out of touch and that happens. You know, friends fall out of oh, touch Oh, so all you the actually time. reached out to the person. I didn't, I, I had no way to. Oh, so okay. I went oh. through our mutual friends to find out what the story was. And how'd you find out that they blocked you? Because... You can see that so, they blocked no, you. So through through Instagram, I have an app oh. that lets me see yep. mm-hmm. how my engagement is doing, and it shows you if somebody has blocked you. Oh, I want to get that. App. Ooh, it's let me it's get actually that pretty app. handy. So Let's burn some. Sounds very right messy. So <sighs> I, when I found that out, I went to my other social media channels to find out did you block me here too, and the answer was yes. Mm. So I I come to find out that the reason this person blocked me is because. They, we have made some attempts to reconnect at some point, and uh, we both have this mutual interest in doing music and other pieces of content. We just never con- reconnected. So when they see me uh, doing stuff with the PAO, mm-hmm. working on this podcast, and putting out these little pieces of music every day, mm-hmm. they start feeling some kind of way, and rather than talking to me about it, just block me altogether and like they feel that i'm too up on my high horse Mm. that um i think i'm this big deal and because you know i've quote unquote i'm quote unquote making it that that uh i'm big-headed about it right and i'm and i'm like yeah but what you already got a big head but what what have you done i literally have what have you done that in their mind like Hey, but you haven't done that. You don't do status updates. You don't do posts saying, I'm so great, mm-hmm. this and that. You're just on your grind. You're posting creative content. You're posting creative content and you're working with performing arts organizations, et cetera. But I've never seen you say, like, I'm this, I'm that. You all need to do this. You all need to do that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get, I don't know if there's a perception that some people have that I've quote unquote made it. Cause y'all know I, that's not the case. I'm still working my ass off right. at, a, at a part time job and I'm still struggling to make ends meet. I'm like, I haven't made it 
anywhere. Mm. I've yeah. just I've gotten to a point where I'm really proud of the work that I can do. Yeah, but you don't even brag on it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like right. it speaks for itself. And so I think that people that if someone's going to go to the great lanes to block you on every social media channel like that just because you're putting out your work daily, that speaks more towards them. Exactly. Oh, yeah, and that kind of sure. goes into like what I had to realize with my week. Um, what happened? So on the script, I wrote, I had a bad week, and then I crossed it out. Because, you know, about on Thursday, that's when I just kind of realized. You, I saw the post on Thursday night, which was last night. I took with myself the, out with, to. Uh, that, with that uh, uh, white woman. With, um, Meryl Streep. With uh, Miranda Priestly. And Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks. And uh, it was a Meryl great. Meryl Streep is a national treasure. Let's Yeah. Didn't she once kind. say that? Okay. Well. Uh, and so uh, I just took myself out a solo date, went to a Filipino restaurant, all this, because earlier in the week, like my week started off really stupid with work emails. And then I was trying to promote the podcast, last week's podcast in a certain subreddit that you all have made me sign contracts not to talk about so that these people don't come after us. But no, it's mm. been a, I think it's like we can all say that it's been a shitty week for us um, and that we just have to work through them and uh, take a step back. And uh, just look at things in perspective. It was a bad week this week, but we've had, I would say, like the old church song says, I've had some good days and I've had some bad days. But if I don't actually, I don't know how the rest of it is. <laughs> something good days, something bad days, but I won't complain. So there we go. It's time for the tea. The tea. The tea. The tea. Rapper Cardi B attempted to defend her fiancé Offset from criticism that his lyrics are homophobic, but her words missed the mark. Huffington Post reports Migos member Offset was featured on YFN Lucci's new song, Boss Life, where he delivers a line that goes, I cannot vibe with queers. Even though the song was released in December, criticism grew this week, and Offset's Thursday apology argued that he didn't mean someone who is gay. Cardi B defended that point... (laughs) Right. In a video on Sunday saying she's never seen her fiance act differently with members of the LGBTQ community and says it has a different vocabulary in the dictionary. Cardi said in her video. Now, if that's a word that you guys said is a bad word for gays, I've never even heard that word in the first place. Why don't y'all educate people? A lot of people are not aware about what's wrong or right in the LGBTQ community. There is nothing wrong with the word queer when used in certain contexts. It is a term reclaimed. Hell, we know the rest of this. I'm stuck on the fact that these people are really, and I know you love Cardi B, and I know y'all love Cardi B. But she's problematic. And yeah, But she's she problematic. But, but beyond that, you're going to try to tell me, two of y'all are going to try to tell me that y'all didn't know that the word queer mm. had anything to do right. with the LGBTQ community. No, and apparently like they posted, I think, I don't know if it was Offset or Cardi, but one of them posted on social media, like... The dictionary definition. It was offset. It was offset. Posting the dictionary definition. And it's like, bitch, you did not. You left all the parts about the gay people and the gay shit that's going on. But you kept like the one part that like, was like like odd or different. It or, literally like, says in the dictionary, yeah, like right. homosexual. But it was like, get into this clipping though. Like, no, 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 sweetheart. Because, because we got men, you. As if we didn't know to, what the word, like as you if think the rest of the slick. world didn't know what the word You think you're real slick, honey. No. Well, because men like to specifically clip out certain parts of history that they can use to further themselves. Hmm. And I didn't know that Cardi B was an uneducated puppet, but here we are. Hmm. 
What? Uh, so, all right. Let's not let's not take it there. Let's not. To oh, call, she took it. There. Let's not. No, she, no, no, well, no, first no, of all, I don't want to call people. So I knew we were going to get into it. I don't. I, we I don't want to do that. Because <laughs> y'all sit here on these new mics with with. With degrees, and I sit here, the only degree I have is my high school diploma. You so, got the degree of life. <laughs> you start from the bottom, now you're here. So, you like, taught your own degree. Well, I, I did. Now, I'm not defending Cardi whatsoever. It comes from sort of this, this stand-by-your-man perspective. Mm. I enjoy her music. Am I expecting her to be... Like a uh, visionary or a... Uh, am I expecting her to, to be a spokesperson? Yeah. Nah. She's she's still... An entertainer. She's still a regular girl from the Bronx. Yeah. And do we feel that Cardi B has any ill intent for the queer community? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And I'll tell you why. And it's because you can bet she is surrounded by queer folks all day long. Oh, for Wait, sure. Where I, I, mean, where but, I draw the line, though, is that the what I don't like is how Offset didn't actually apologize for it was a non misunderstanding. Yeah. Like exactly, he doubled it was down. A non-apology. It was a non-apology. But, but, as a, like, but to his, play white devil's advocate, um, I don't want to compare Cardi B to Ivanka Trump. But, but in twenty, to. but in twenty eighteen, being complicit with something is almost as bad as like you saying it to. Unless she was, because we know for a fact, ever since like when Katy Perry collabed with Migos and they did um, uh, the that uh, that visionary album, what was it called? Vision or something? Or she had the song Swish Swish and um, I'm white man bon appetit. at you right now. And Bon Appetit anyway. Katy Perry collabed a lot with Migos, and then when it was found out that they've like had a lot of like homophobic lyrics, and people were like, "Katy Perry, your whole album is supposed to be about like this queer space," Being but, yeah, woke. You're, yeah. but yeah, you're you're with them, so she distanced herself from them. Well, the this is also this can be a, a conversation all on its own. We all know that the hip hop cult that hip hop culture is notoriously homophobic. Mm-hmm. This is not just an issue with a singular rapper. This is an issue that is systemic inside of hip hop, right? And it's not—it's not one that's going to get fixed overnight. And there's lots of homophobic behavior, homophobic uh, content that is in rap music that needs to be addressed. But mm. we're still—we're talking about a genre of music that still hasn't come to an agreement about misogyny in its mm. right. content. But at the end of the day, we don't even think that he had the ill intent toward the queer community. But my thing is, like, don't piss on my boots and tell me it's raining by telling me that you didn't even know that the word queer right. exactly. had That's anything to do with gay people. This. Right. Like, yeah. like Dude, come up with something else. And just w- apologize and own up to it. In January 2015, April Rain tweeted an observation of the Academy Award nominees. The hashtag she attached, hashtag OscarsSoWhite, became a trending topic on the social media platform Twitter and resurfaced the following year when all the acting nominees for the industry's top prize were, again, all white. It has since become a rallying cry in Hollywood and abroad for greater inclusion of marginalized voices and perspectives on screen, behind the camera, and in executive offices. 
Following the latest Oscar nominations Tuesday, April said she's encouraged by the incremental progress every year, but there is still so much work to be done. Hashtag Oscars So White is very much alive and as relevant as when I created it. And until we are no longer lauding firsts after a 90-year history of the Film Academy, until we can no longer count a traditionally underrepresented group's number of nominations in a particular category on our fingers, there will be more work to do. Mm. Get them, sis. She then said that in an interview for The Times from the Sundance Film Festival. So, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Scientists responded to the calls for greater inclusion by making a commitment under former President Cheryl Boone Isaacs to double the number of women and people of color in its membership by 2020. Its new president, John Bailey, vowed to maintain that goal when he took office last year. I intend to hold them to that, Rain added. Hold them mm. accountable. accountable. So, what is like the latest uh, this year? Mm. Well, some of the notable nominations for folks from diverse backgrounds include the Big Slit co-writer Kumail Nanjiani. They earned an original screenplay nod, which he shares with his wife, Emily V. Gordon. Mary J. Blige of Mud... (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) She is is risen. She is risen. risen. (laughs) Mary J. Can't say that name. Mary J. Blige of Mudbound, which you are is so wonder, wrong. which is wonderful. You are so wrong. No, I love Mary. She just can't sing. Mary J. Blige of Mudbound earned two nominations for supporting actress and original song. The latter of which she shares with Raphael Sadiq. Latter. I also love <laughs> Jordan Peele. Get out. Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, and Guillermo del Toro, The Shape of Water, were all nominated in both the director and original screenplay categories. Also, trans filmmaker Yance Ford was nominated for Best Feature Documentary for Strong Island. This is encouraging. It is encouraging, and we can see it. But I'm wondering if this is a knee-jerk reaction by these executives, by this academy. What do you mean? That they're nominating just whatever they want. So Get Out, I love to Get Out. I saw it twice. Um, And I do think that it is deserving of... uh, like best picture, what else did Peel get? Best director and best writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things, it's just like, wasn't Hidden Figures this year? No, Hidden last Figures year. was last year. Last, was year. last year. But did it get nominated last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it won a whole bunch of stuff. It, I don't know if it I don't won. Think it won a bunch of stuff. It won some stuff. Yes. Okay. But like Taraji wasn't nominated for lead actress in that stuff like that, that. Category and she see and that's have. what I, and th- that's what I'm getting at is like I feel like they're just taking shots like oh which POC right. can we make sure that is in the quota this time not saying that any of those works were not good because I the shape of water was the leading one right with yeah like 14, it has the most nominations my and sister that, hated that movie actually. I haven't <laughs> seen it so no spoilers please um, I haven't seen it either it's just it's it's still good to see even if the idea is how do we look at and evaluate the works of POC and find and choose from the best from among them to include them in these nominations? I still think that that's it's it's tricky because you're you are talking about an artistic, mm-hmm. um, you're you're talking about a rubric for 
the creative arts and who's the best among them. And in trying to be inclusive, there is sort of that cherry picking, like who did this and did they do Mm. a good job? Mm -hmm. And it's also indicative of like the problem where folks don't really invest in POC Right. And our, our artistic contributions, but they love to take, take from us. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think the good thing is the commitment actually that they've said, not just, you know, double the number of nominations or anything like that, but double the number of people of color and women in the membership of uh, this organization mm-hmm. yes. so right. that those because that's where I was going to go. Will be taken yeah. into because ultimately it's not just about, hey, let's put more brown and black people in to being nominated, but it's let's do something to fix the imbalance that exists in the power structure because these people are voted in by an academy and most of the members of the academy are not people of color. And so no matter what you do, unless you're actually changing the makeup of the academy, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a skewed result, right, in right. In, a, in a particular direction, Definitely. in this case, white people, because they're the overwhelming majority of it. Right. A lot of people are pushing back on, I think, that, I don't know if this, I know on the Vanity Fair article that lists all of the nominations in the comment section, you see people questioning Get Out. They're like, why is that on there? This was definitely not bad. But if you ask some black people, like myself, who saw that movie two or three times, you know, I think it's deserving of being up there because it's very relevant for the times. Uh, it was also nominated for a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. the Golden Globes are the precursors to the Oscars. If they got nominated for a Golden Globe, it's probably getting nominated for The an point Oscar. is that a lot of people like, don't even understand the movie mm-hmm. to think well, that it's worthy to get it. a Golden Globe or... They've never seen Well, that's, that's the thing. That's a whole other subject. It's I saw... Being... Um, what's his name? Uh, Virgil, who is a friend of ours at the podcast why aren't we being filmed he up he up uh he did a status update saying you know and i saw this too a lot of people are talking about their picks and their reaction to the oscar nominations that happened i believe this monday but a lot of those people haven't seen get out mm-hmm. so it's like how can uh-huh. you provide commentary on a on all the movies or what you think should or should not be and you didn't even see one of the particular movies white privilege The former doctor of the American gymnastics team, Dr. Lawrence Nassar, was sentenced to 40 to 175 years in prison on Wednesday for multiple sex crimes, capping an extraordinary seven-day hearing that drew more than 150 young women to publicly confront him and speak of their abuse. Judge Rosemarie Aquilina, who had opened her courtroom to the young women, including several prominent Olympic athletes, bluntly made it clear that Dr. Nassar, 54, was likely to die in prison. I just signed your death warrant, she said, as she imposed the sentence. Given an opportunity to address the court before sentencing, Dr. Nassar apologized to the young women, occasionally turning to them in the courtroom and said, Your words these past several days have had a significant effect on myself and have shaken me to my core. I will carry your words with me for the rest of my days. Several women groaned when he faced them and sobbed as he spoke. Can we talk about the dramatics that she was mm, serving mm-hmm. while she was handing down the sentencing, though? Oh, There's honey, she of her throwing the came letter away. for him. She came for blood. And he needed to be come for. I mean, she said at one point, like, it's a good thing that the Constitution does not allow for cruel and unusual punishment. Because what I would do <laughs> is give you some cruel, like, for everybody that you'd untouch, you would get touched the same way that many times. So on the subject of which... um, when we were on our way over here, I was reading this article that was published in HuffPo by uh, Melissa Jeltson. 
um, she wrote an article that there was a line between justice and vengeance. Larry Nassar's judge, Rosemary, mm-hmm. crossed it. Mm. So, I go on I've to read it. That. And she's saying that essentially like what, what you're talking about here, that the judge crossed a line. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> like, saw great. I saw some Next. of this earlier in the week when people were saying like it was kind of creepy, like the stuff she was saying. And I'm like, Hell if no. anything, she invited she was if if she was being theatric or if she was crossing a line, it was for the benefit of these victims that she welcomed into her courtroom to mm-hmm. show that like this is happening for you to, because of all the trauma that you endured for the past. Because however. there's 150 there's of so them many of them that we know about. That right. we know about. Girls as young as six. So I don't like I understand that, you know, at we we should always strive to be, you know, even and the best versions of ourselves and be full of justice. But no, fuck it. Like he assaulted a hundred and fifty plus women, some of which young as six. I don't care what the judge said to him. Like even I remember Sorry. reading or hearing somewhere like when the girls questioned him because I don't want to get too graphic, but like he would put his hands and fingers in places and like say that he was just readjusting their hip bone, but like going in through there. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, is this? And he'd be like, yes, this is like a medical procedure. And it's just like, it's just so gross to even think that he was doing that. Yeah. Because my question for this person who wrote the article is how often, if if we are so concerned with justice here, Melissa, how often. Okay, you're going to have Melissa in the one star rating. Let, let, let her give me a <laughs> Sorry to say her name, but I mean, she, it's, she's a reporter and it's an article. It's a publicly um, available, yeah. And it's her job. Um, like, if we are so appalled by the treatment that Larry Nassar received from Judge Rosemary Aquila? Aquilena. Aquilena. If we are so appalled, why do I not see more articles from you talking about all of this police violence against black people? Because I'm looking through your book and I don't see that many. To, to piggyback off of that, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people are also involving uh, Michigan State University. Go green. Go oh, white. yeah. Uh, Thank you. Wait, you went there? No, but I'm from Michigan. Oh, I went there for like a summer session. So you I did? Can, I can say go green, go white. Wait, um, you were in Michigan? Sorry. Yes. But – um. But, uh, you know, people are calling into question. They're, they're kind of tepid about calling MSU into. But remember when, uh, what was his, his name at Penn State University? Oh, yeah, that old boy. And they had to shut the school down. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was because it was a, what, was it a football team and boys? Yep, it was mm-hmm. a boys and a white man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the kind of uneven reaction there. Yeah. I mean, they would have been shutting down MSU if it was anyway. But the truth is, baby, when you go to prison, you go to- they are going to mess you up because they mess up people who touch kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. He is not going to be happy. And he's got 175 years of it. And we forget, he's he was also sentenced like two weeks ago for another thing. So he has an additional like 60 years on top of that. That's- so he'll be in jail for like 200 years. So that means that it is time for the bloop of the week. Bloop! Housing and urban development official Lynn Patton tried it with reporter April Ryan and realized way too late that Ryan is really not the one. No, she ain't. She is never has been and never will be. No, no, no. So 
What started it is that Patton, who leads a regional HUD office overseeing New York and New Jersey, decided she was going to get on the air or no, she was going to do this on Twitter and call Ryan Miss Peggy. You done messed Wait, up. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, ma'am. No. Wait, wait. Lynn Patton isn't that. Never See, mind. I was never going to say gonna, anything gonna, about that in this podcast. We're not here for body shaming. We're not here for body shaming. Now, uh, she deleted the tweet that also had the hashtag bankrupt blogger. And apparently, according to the New York Daily News, the spat started when Ryan appeared on CNN and spoke about how she and other reporters have received death threats as a result of the president's attacks on the press. Now, Patton, who planned Eric Trump's wedding before she was appointed to HUD, took to Twitter to brush aside Ryan's comments. Now, and I quote, as a conservative black female who has publicly worked and supported at real Donald Trump, I've been getting death threats from fellow minorities on the left for the past three years. So welcome to the club, April D. Ryan, she wrote. The two continued to go back and forth before Patton fired the final shot. I hear hashtag Miss Piggy still on a rampage. Gee, I must have struck a nerve at April D. Ryan. And then added her, too. Hashtag No subtweets here. Blogger. Mm. Mm, She said what she said. So about an hour later... Patton came to her senses, which means that she spoke to her PR person. Right. And tweeted an apology. I deleted my last tweet by choice. Lies. No one from this administration contacted me. Contacted me. Lies again. It was beneath me, and I apologized to April Ryan. She wrote in the tweet. Throne of lies. My parents raised me to respect others, and I res- regret my response. Then why'd you I do apologize it? to them. At Secretary Carson... And the Trump family. Who is her boss? They deserved better. <laughs> why are you apologizing to Carson? Why? What are he? He's why he doesn't here? even? Know, he is the He's secretary the of housing boss. and urban development. Still. And so April responded. She was like, "It's it's just a petty ass story." And I know that we kind of made a pact not to like Body support. Shame. Well, that oh. and support narratives where, like, women of color are going at each other. Like, when we cut out that whole segment from the Thanksgiving episode, putting Patty against Donna. Um, Diana. Oh. Diana. Mm. I was thinking Donna Summer because mm. we're performing her. Oh. Um, but uh, this was funny because she well, realized then, real quick that <laughs> April Ryan wasn't the, not one. the one. In this particular case, it's not us pitting. Like, it's a common thing where folks sort of pit women of color against each other, right? This was women of color actually... Coming for each other. Coming for each other. Well, well, like, well, what's her name? Coming for... It was a lesser coming for a known. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know who she was before this. And I won't remember who she is after. She's... Who? I don't even know her name. Precisely. Oh, Lynn Patton? Yeah, her. There was a whole article about her because she's part of Trump's inner circle. So she's... So she's... uh, Trump's other uh, Omar sit, uh, what, what, what are, a Padawan. What are they called? Apprentice. Apprentice. There we go. Yeah. Well, oh, and it works because Omarosa was on the Apprentice. Too. She was. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's this. Star there's this inner circle of people who are highly unqualified but are extremely close to Trump. Mm-hmm. And like Omarosa is not in that, but Lynn Patton is. And Terrible. She's the devil. I mean. And she then, sold her soul to Trump so, still skin. So April Ryan, <laughs> get the fuck out of my house. 
And that is your nickname of the week. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. What did he say? They Trumple Stiltskin. Trumple Stiltskin. You're welcome, ladies, you... gentlemen, and all those along if, and outside of the If we spectrum. say that three times, will he disappear and leave us alone? I certainly hope so. Okay, so... Uh, Carlos, let's start with you. How do you feel about the first episode of All Stars 2? So I really enjoyed this new episode of this new season. I think it was probably one of the top three or four episodes of the entire series. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun, high energy. The girls are coming straight out the gate, coming for each other. When BB, which I already knew was BB because it was all over the Word. internet. But when BB, even even knowing she that it was, was going to be only her, one who made sense in my mind. Oh, I know. When she mm. came out and the girls were just <gasps> fully gagged, it was worth every. Pe- mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Ben Dilla and Shanji looked shook. They looked. They sure did. And and Trixie was in her feelings too. And I saw it and I enjoyed that. So that was a wonderful moment. I am sad because. I do have love in my heart. I don't know why. I do have love in my heart for Morgan McMichaels. And she was very entertaining for the one episode she was on. And any other sort of regular ass season, she probably would have lasted another episode or two because everybody love the producers love white a villain. And white mediocrity. Yeah. But they love a villain more than anything else. And she was definitely mm-hmm. trying to paint herself as the villain for the season. So very curious to see how it shapes up moving forward. They don't seem to be aligned on how they want to actually, the girls don't seem aligned on mm-hmm. how they actually want to eliminate people if and when they get that power. And so I think it's going to be a very dramatic season and I'm mm-hmm. very excited about it. I agree. Yeah. Like, and y'all, the blessing that was BB coming out mm-hmm. in that human oh, hair. That wing. Bomb. Real hair. Within that dress, with that was was that patik fabric. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! It's just looking unbothered. And like, I love I love how everyone's cool. like, "Well, she already done had hers is," and I'm like, "Well, she didn't. She really didn't." To twenty five thousand dollars. Nobody she carved it out for you to have your hers. Exactly. Oh, hello. No, like nobody can actually see season one anymore unless Correct. you pirate it, right? Mm-hmm. So, what what what, what platform is the truth? does she have anymore? Right. right? So. Let's bring back the original winner, who is a beautiful black queen. From Cameroon. From Cameroon. And let's give her a shot at earning some real dollars here, because... Some additional cointadas. Exactly. Because it's Mm -hmm. been nine years, $25,000. That's gone. And other than (laughs) Angina and Nina Flowers, which of the other season one queens do you see anymore? Tammy Brown. Pork chop. Well, you saw a... You saw... A pork chop. A pork chop. <laughs> and Chanel. Chanel shows up from time to time. I do like Chanel. Um, you were you were bothered. I got I was I got in a very dark place about <laughs> this episode. Go on. While I genuinely enjoyed it, I feel as though the correct winner won this week. Um, I agree. She had ben, me laughing. I was laughing. She was a lot of fun. Like I I know like. When we were talking about it, I said that I was looking forward to seeing what she was going to do. This was not what I was expecting. Yeah. She completely blew my mind. Like, she gave you comedy, and that's something that is a powerful thing in drag. Um, my, I think my only issue, I, have, I had two little mini issues. One, I found out that um, when they were doing the rehearsals for the talent show, everyone, all of the cast, thought that Chi Chi was going to win. 
because she was really, really good. Um, before she went on, um, the the set, how it's built, and this I'm reading all of this online from someone that heard it from a queen. So it could be fake, but a, a lot of times some of these things are real. Mm-hmm. Hashtag fake news. But that's the thing. Like This entire episode was leaked months ago. I read the whole transcript of what happened. Right. Okay. Well, um, so, and Milk also mentioned this too, that this happened. Chi-Chi lacerated her hand on a piece of the set before she went on, and it was gushing blood everywhere, and that's why she kept on fumbling with her baton. Um, that could also be a reason why she may not have wore very tall heels, because when she's doing those front walkovers, it probably wasn't the most stable thing, because um, she had to do them one-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that. I am also very happy to still see Chi-Chi here, because I really like her. Um, the one thing that really upset me was that Shangela is my pick to win. Oh, it's either mm-hmm. for me. It's I believe it, it could either be Shangela or Trixie, but I think Shangela's my pick to win. Mm-hmm. Um, after after that episode, I think Ben Bendela's in that. Oh, definitely, absolutely. I think she's in the mix. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, the other one uh, this week, Kennedy. I felt should have been in the top three her season. Um, but Shangela and Kennedy did routines that I've seen them do since 2012. And they do the same choreograph or choreography phrasing. They do the same moves. I've seen, I've seen Kennedy do that number on America's Got Talent in 2013. And it really breaks my heart to watch them get on the stage and be, have the opportunity to do something new and potentially fail at it, but try something new to show that you are an all-star and just do something that we've already seen. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's all stars. You want to go with your sure bets. Mm-hmm. You want to go with the things that you know you can get up there and kill. Right. And even if a small percentage of folks have seen that routine before, mm-hmm. it's a TV audience. So True. there's a yeah, potential for that, that millions of people haven't seen what you've done already. Right. So I don't I don't mind that they didn't do something new because we saw Morgan take a shot at something new and I respect that. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've got to pick and choose where you take your gambles. That's true. Right. And I respect somebody who knows that they have something great and all they got to do is get through this challenge. So that way, and if it means that you don't necessarily win, as long as you don't end up in the bottom two, so somebody can can get you out. Like if there's a strategy here, so I can see that. I think that's true. I also just don't understand how milk was not in the bottom two. Because that talent was abysmal. Well, I will say... The track is bad. I will say with with Milk's thing, she made me laugh during the first two moves. Two seconds, and I she think fell that's over. Why, I think that's, that's why, why she saved like, herself. Well, it's like, Chi-Chi... Okay, so what, one of the things we didn't see, apparently Chi-Chi kept dropping her uh, baton. baton. She kept on dropping her baton, and Morgan is literally garbage, so... Oh. Wow. So she was... Well, that concludes the recap. <laughs> I hate Morgan McMichael. Let's throw to a break. You know what? After all of this drag race talk, I think we all need a moment to untuck. We'll be right back. Well, now let's move from drag race to race. I see what you did there. From yeah. one race to another. From one place. From one hood to, to another. That's what I was thinking of. That's what I was trying that to was think a of. Halloween 2017 episode. Oh, throwback. <laughs> throwback. 
Go listen to that one. Had the <laughs> biggest laugh we've ever had. Y'all, I, I lost the Google document. You done it's lost all good. the Google I'll, document. I'll, uh, I'll chat up. I got it here now. So for our oh, there's regular a... listeners out there, what you don't necessarily see right now, because this is all happening by audio, is that we are now officially part of the Brick Media Arts. Part of the Brick family. Let me upgrade. The likes of Francesca Lee Ramsey. The likes of BK112. We're we're going places. We're in good company. And we are really, really excited. We're in Brick's official podcasting studio. We're on these beautiful. It's it's just beautiful in here. We're doing doing it up. We're growing. We're getting better, and we want to take this moment to thank you for being part of this journey. And we're going to take a moment to talk to reflect on what why we do what we do. Being a person of color in a world in which whiteness is a standard is a unique experience that we are committed to talking about on this podcast. With that being said, we want to start a series of episodes, much like our more lighthearted queer gamer episode, that talks about the issue of race. And there's a lot to cover. Now that we're officially a part of the Brick community of creators, we want to reflect on what our mission is as a podcast and as people. We believe in the importance of having this discussion because being queer in the POC community and being POC in the queer community is a distinct balancing act that QPOCs have to play. Being QPOC means being complex. It means being multifaceted. It often means having to learn to play many different roles on the turn of a dime in order to survive. Part of our goal is to provide a safe listening space for QPOC to help us thrive. We also want to create a space for you to share your voice as a QPOC with us. So talk to us. Ask questions, vent, rant, laugh, and cry. Keep in mind that our end goal is to always build a stronger QPOC community. It's a world that loves to underestimate us, so let's all move from mediocrity to excellence together. And if you're white, you can ask a question, too. So let's start with the definition of race. Let and us. this, you know, we had always planned to do this, uh, you know, more deep in, uh, how I should say, heavy topics mm-hmm. on, like, everything we just said and the fact that this is called This QPOC Life. Like, we want to talk about our experiences. We want to talk about the news. We want to talk about things that are great to us, like RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, but then we also want to talk about issues that we face. And so, as I mentioned last week, and maybe the week before that, I had been listening to an audio book uh, called So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Oluo. Uh, I finished the audio book. And, I, you know, I can't recommend it highly enough for everybody here to either listen to mm-hmm. or read. And I went and purchased the text. And I was like, you know what? Our first heavy episode, of, you know, just talking about race, we're going to just uh, pull from it like it's the the good word. Um, I'm, so not, I'm, I'm not going to actually read from it here. Scripture but, um <laughs> So we're talking about the definition of race. And in the book, uh, a line says, the most common definition – of racism are as follows. A, racism is any prejudice against someone because of their race. Super simple. Or B, racism is any prejudice against someone because of their race when those views are reinforced by systems of power. Let's establish now that we will be operating on the second definition as it's more relevant to the discussion of race today. Yes. 
So we just want to kind of, as we set the ground rules for this, which I feel like, number one, getting that out of the way, that's a hurdle in itself. Sure. Yes. When talking to, like, either white people or people of color. Just talking about a period. Yeah. Just talking about a period. But getting that definition to be the one in play, because then you got people saying, like, oh, well, now you're changing the definition. And it's like, I right. could be super precise but i feel like you know what i'm talking about when i tell you okay fine you don't want to call it racism fine anytime you discriminate against me because of the color of my skin and you know there can be consequences of that versus well we're we're talking about like racism as the institution right where people of color are systematically disadvantaged and put in a position where we always have to be on our P's and Q's mm-hmm. around white people and the the messy area where white people mm-hmm. don't necessarily understand that just because they are not directly participating in racist behavior doesn't necessarily mean that they are not benefiting from mm-hmm. a racist society. Complicit. Uh, I, I, my first memory of race, um, I remember it very vividly. I was probably six or so and we were at a cookout and there were a majority of white people there because it was up North in Michigan. And so let's call it what it is, a potluck. Um, (laughs) we were at a potluck, my family, and, uh, it was me and my mom sitting there and one of my mom's male friends walked over and, we were eating rice because my mom is white. Um, my dad was somewhere else at the time. Um, but we grew, we grew up eating rice because my dad's Filipino. And we were eating it. And she goes like, Bob, or whatever the fuck his name was. Um, Bob, oh, do you want some of this rice? And Bob says, um, does it look like my eyes are slanted? What? Ah. W- were you the guest at this potluck or was he a guest at your potluck? It was a community potluck. Oh, my. So you were all guests. We were all guests. And um, my mom looked at me, and then we got our stuff and walked away. Hmm. Um, And we didn't say anything to Bob, and we never spoke to him again. But wait, your dad wasn't even there. No, my dad was, um, he was like, I don't think he was with us that weekend, because he was like working. So he wasn't even there. Yeah, he wasn't even there. So where the fuck does Bob get off? Bob thought that he was he, he was in a safe white space. He didn't because I'm passing, so he doesn't like. So there were no. Oh, so was, he wasn't saying that toward you. He or was just your saying mom. that in general. He was just saying like that in general. In joke. general about rice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That motherfucking Bob. He must get his rice from Panda Express. Fuck Bob. He pro- actually, you know what? I went to Panda Express for the first time. And they it was had no disgusting. Rice. They had no rice. Listen, no credibility. Hold on. Sorry. Panda Express is not good. in New York. Is not good. But in malls in the Midwest and oh, in the South, yeah, it's, it's, they know how to follow the handbook. Okay, I don't know what's going book. on, but the Panda Expresses in New York, there like were no the one Chinese in Hell's in Kitchen, it. and the one wherever you went. I was in went. the Bay Ridge. The, no, in Bay, I don't know what y'all are doing up here. No, I went in there and I and I was like, may I have this I mean, and have white Chinese, rice? We have Chinese restaurants every everywhere. Yeah. That's fine. And, and I agree. Really I'm just saying that Panda Expresses outside of New York are not as bad as... They are in New York. 
if y'all, if, so, I wish there was a Carlos, video component because I'm pointing my finger. Carlos, <laughs> what what was your first memory uh, of race, and when did you become aware of race? And you know, yeah. So uh, thinking about race and my relationship with race, I would say that the first time I ever became aware of my race or that I was different from white people um, had to be when I was a kid. I must have been in elementary school. And so probably five, six, seven, maybe eight at the latest. And I remember being with a group of kids and one of them was like, well, are you black or are you white? And I was like, I, I don't I don't know how to answer that question. Like, yeah, how I'm, old were you? I, I was a kid. I must have been like, you know, I don't remember the exact year, but I must have been like, you know, less than 10. And I remember the kids asking me like, well, are you black or are you white? One of these kids. And I remember coming home and I was like, I don't know. And so I, I remember coming home and I was like, mom, like, are we black or are we white? Like, what are we? You were in Florida? Right? <laughs> we were in Florida. So I grew up in South Florida in Palm Beach County. So at the time when I was growing up there, there were Latino people, Latinx people, um, but they were primarily located like in Southern counties, like Broward County, Miami-Dade County. And there were some Latinx people in Palm Beach County, but not a lot. And that's changed a lot over the last however many years. But at the time, we were like the only Latinx family in the neighborhood. So for us, it was the thing where I came home and I was like, well, like, what what are we? And my mom was like, well, we're Puerto Rican. And I was just like, we're brown. Like, we're not black <laughs> or white. Like, um, None of the above. We're whole wheat, baby. Like, <laughs> we are cinnamon, as my mom would say. Um and so that was my first foray into understanding that, like, I was not the same as white people. And even though, like, I'm lighter skinned, especially during the winter months, like, I remember feeling very different and remember and knowing that, like, my hair was curly and I spoke a different language and I ate different foods and we did different things over the holidays mm. than, like, my mostly white peers did. And then over time, like, understanding and growing to appreciate that difference but at first like feeling very off because i just wasn't right normal mm. quote unquote whatever that means mm. Mm. you know i am um, my experience is is sort of different having grown up here because i grew up around all sorts of people oh yeah so yeah. um there was a side of it where we all celebrated how different we all are and how diverse we all are um my mom didn't let us grow up in a household where we were not aware that we were different, uh, especially because she was aware of how complicated our lives were going to be being uh, polyracial mm -hmm. because my, my dad's Puerto Rican and just on my mom's side, we're black, Japanese and Native American. Mm -hmm. So there's this sort of, there's this relationship that you have with, trying to identify with any one of those things because for me is whenever I've encountered other people of color that things have gotten very strange. Mm -hmm. So if I were talking to other kids on the block because of the way that we spoke in my house, I was always told, oh, you talk like a white person. Mm. And so that was one source of stress in my life. And the other was when I would encounter other Latinx people and they discover that I don't speak Spanish, mm -hmm. that creates such a nasty bit of tension. Like, Carlos yeah. is laughing because, like, you know exactly what I mean. Because they call you a coconut. Exactly. So, um, it's like I haven't been, I haven't been Latinx enough to be Latinx. 
I'm not black enough to be black. And then whenever people find out I'm Japanese, they're like, oh, do you speak it? And I say no. They're like, oh, well, that's a shame. Child, I can't wait till we get to the biracial episode. Right? Ooh, so it's it's deep. It's coming. So being ablation. So a large part of my experience has haven't been having to figure out, okay, well, what how do I identify? How do mm. how can I stand by all of these different sort of, of identities that I'm really, really proud of. I'm proud of being a really mm-hmm. this this mixed Damn. race person, you know? Like that's awesome. Like my family is gorgeous. I don't mind yeah. saying so. <laughs> yeah. And like, for, but you're, you're prettier than most people. I, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, my my most vivid memory about about dealing with race, though, and you all knew me when this happened. Oh, actually, I think this was before I met you. I I got stopped by cops on the way to Tomorrow. Oh, I remember rehearsal. you telling me that. You saw you saw me when yeah. I got there. Like I was visibly shaken. And I got stopped on I was I was rushing to rehearsal and I was dressed particularly nicely that day. I had one of my, my dress shoes, had a little bit briefcase and had a button down and jeans on. And I'm just moving really quickly through Times Square to get through mm-hmm. to rehearsal. I don't look that different from most other people on the street, just based on what I'm dre- I'm wearing. And I get stopped by a cop for no reason. Because this was this was still when stop and frisk was allowed. Hmm. And so I'm freaking out because this is this is post Eric Garner and all those stories. So I'm like, I don't know where this is gonna go. So he's asking me to stop, you know, step to the side and he wants to look at my briefcase. He's probably gonna pat me down. So I start complying, but really, really loudly. Like, okay, officer, I'm doing exactly what you're telling me to do because it's Times Square. I'm like, some white person's going to have their phone out because it's trendy right now to yeah. film cops doing bad things. Hopefully, mm-hmm. somebody yeah. will get this on, on, on camera. Yeah. Cop noticed and let me go and get to rehearsal. But I was, I was shaken. I'm like, wow. Like, this shit really does happen. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, as, like, People, everyone here is a, a POC. Has everyone here been stopped by a cop? I have, but it was because I was speeding. Me too. Oh, okay. I can't drive, so I can't speed. Can't but since that. being in New York, I haven't. <laughs> and it's very interesting because, like, with all of these, especially because this is this QPOC life, uh, uh, so I'm black, I'm <laughs> Filipino, and I'm gay. And it's what really fucked up that in my mind, I know that I can use certain things to distance myself in front of the cops to make them not stop me. I can act gay as hell in front of the cops mm-hmm. and somehow have security in my mind and will know that they'll just be like, oh, okay, you know, like, because. I'm not like the stereotypical black person from East New York. That that hasn't helped a whole lot of kids down on Christopher Street. I'll tell you what. Oh, really? Like, I I, I used to hang out on the pier a lot, and the cops used to harass us all the time, all the time. Hmm. And a, a large part of that, and this is another topic altogether, is like you know there was this this fight. I I used to volunteer at an organization called Fierce, and we were advocating for a safe space for queer youth of color on the pier. And a large part of that fight was fighting against the white gay men in the neighborhood who thought that we were a problem and didn't want us there. 
mm-hmm. hanging out on Christopher Street. And as we as we know, Christopher Street is a very important space for um, queer queer people and queer ought to be youth. the whole queer community ought to be. Yeah. But the way people were cutting up about that flag last summer oh, with that, the black and brown stripe, which be will be another episode. Edition. That will be in the <laughs> summer. That will be our we'll pride episode. <laughs> that will be the pride episode. So, so yeah, like, there's it, a whole bunch of shit. It's not right, and it is not, not okay. okay. No, ma'am. But I'm going to make it anyway. So my first encounter with race and the time that I kind of started had to actually think about it I was on my so I lived I grew up in San Diego and I often you know when people if someone on Grinder asks me where are you from I it's a whole timeline oh, so it's Lord. like San Diego Mississippi Memphis New York and so that's what this, you tell the Grinder people I do I put I have it like it's a saved phrase um, <laughs> <laughs> so or just in casual conversation. And so the first quarter of that, the San Diego part, I grew up mainly around Latinx Mm. and Asian people. Okay, so all Mm. my friends were either Latinx or Asian or mixed or whatever. There are only like three white people in classes and one black person in classes. So, again, uh, the neighborhoods I lived in and everything. So I would go home every day from my friend's house playing Street Fighter 2 on SNES, Super Nintendo, or any other game on Super Nintendo. Um back to my house um, around 5 o'clock. I think I had to come home at 5 o'clock. And then I just remember one day in particular, uh, I walked in front of this gated house and there's this guy and thinking back on it, he was he looked like, oh, he was bald-headed and, but he had long strands of hair on the side and he probably had a country accent and he drove like a really loud car. And of course, when you're young, you don't know any better about any of the people who are like or about stereotypes of certain types of people. But right. if I look back now, I'm pretty sure he was a redneck. Like, he was straight up country. And so one day I was walking home, and, uh, you know, it's like uh, suburban California. Well, not really suburbs, but it was California with all the – where all the houses were like – it's the same house, four houses down, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Big mansions. Well, it wasn't man- – we didn't live in mansions, but mm. it was oh. like in poltergeist. Prefab. What, uh, what is the actual word for Row that? houses? No, not row house. It's just the neighborhoods are anyway, anyway. Suburbs. I guess it is a suburb. Yeah. So I'm walking home and the guy, he's pulling into his driveway and I'm walking and I was about to like, I was like halfway through the driveway, but then like I, I was, I could have walked in front of his car or I could have stopped and I stopped and like he revved his engine really loud and rolled down the window and I was like second or third grade. So I was like six or seven. And he specifically said, oh, yeah, you think you're going to run in front of my car, you fucking nigger faggot. And I was like, first of all, like, how do you know I'm gay? Like, I don't even know I'm gay yet. Right, you're six years old. Yeah. And, like, so that really makes me, like, that makes me think way back. Like, when I talk about, when I when we talk about things about, like, coming out or, like, when did you know you were gay? Like, I never knew this until middle school. But the fact that he called me that, like, What? And then I didn't know what nigger meant. So, like, I, but like, somehow I did know what that mean meant. Mm. So, like, that's when I started really started thinking about it. But I really didn't think about it much later on until like past college or when I, I shouldn't say college, junior high when I moved to the South. And uh, what are you putting in your hand there? You want to 
like give me a so, in in front of on top of the good word. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's page eighty seven. In so you want to talk about race? Oh, Luo talks about a time that she. Uh, was pulled over by the cops. And after that, she says, so maybe that time I got pulled over wasn't about race. Maybe the time I'd been, maybe the time I'd been pulled over before that wasn't about race. Maybe even the time before that. But those who demand the smoking gun of racial slur or swastika or burning crosses before they will believe that an individual encounter with the police might be about race are ignoring what we know and what the numbers are bearing out. Something is wrong. Something wrong is going on, and it's not right. We are being targeted, and you can try to explain away one statistic due to geography, one away due to income. You can find reasons for numbers all day. But the fact remains, all across the country in every type of neighborhood, people of color are being disproportionately criminalized. This is not all in our heads. on this QPOC Live. These are, this is more of what you can expect from us. We want to keep things light. We want to keep things entertaining. But there's also this part where we need to talk about these things and our experiences so that we all can get better, get stronger, and understand each other more. Yes. <laughs> I know that a lot of people out there listen who don't have this experience. And so we want to share these experiences with you. To those of you who do share these experiences, we want it to be something that you can relate to. Write to us. You know, we mentioned it all through the show. There are different uh, outlets that you can reach out to us to. A lot of you have reached out to me directly. Some of you have come through the Facebook page. But we're definitely here. There's Ask at This Cupac Life. There's Facebook. There's Instagram. There's Twitter. Engage with us because this is the discussion that we want to start. Yes. And it's talk. one that we need to be having. Yes, talk to us because we want to talk to you. We do, we do this for you. We do this because we believe that you have something to say that's just as valuable as us. So come on and talk to us. All right. So I'm Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA on the internet. And my uh, PGPs are he, him, his. I'm Zach at Zachary Aris all over the internet. And my PGPs are either or. And I'm Carlos Rios, a.k.a. Tre Fabulo. And my PGP are anything you want, especially hers. Is. You may call me Jolie. That's Joe with no E. And you'll find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Talk to you later. And this was... You got this... the most important PGP. Oh. And my <laughs> pronouns are they, them, and theirs. And this was... This, this Q-Pac you're yes. so extra. That was but cute. it's our first. But that was cute. Thank it you. was a nice little run. Thank I'm going to dictate.